This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. We've just read in Psalm 48 verse 1 there, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. The, originally the city we now know as Jerusalem was established well before the exodus of the Israelites uh, from Egypt. Uh, at that time it was uh, a Jebusite city and it was called uh, Jebus uh, and that name is a place of threshing. It's built on four hills uh, with Zion being the southwest and the older part of the, of the city. Uh, in scripture Zion is also often referred to as the city of David the king who established his throne there uh, during the latter part of his reign over Israel. Jerusalem is uh, situated 15 miles from the Dead Sea on its east and from 31 miles from the Mediterranean Sea which is on its west. And Jerusalem is also surrounded uh, by valleys on the east, west and the south which means that it is well situated strategically but it's, its most vulnerable aspect being to the northwest of the city. When Israel entered into the land then, uh, the city, Jebus, was initially only partly taken uh, by the tribe of Judah uh, when they went in to conquer the land. And it was only under King David that the city was completely taken uh, in around uh, BC uh, 1049. And it was there under King David that Jerusalem became the centre uh, of his rulership uh, over the whole of the Israelite nation. It was King David's son Solomon who built the temple in Jerusalem as the centre for religious worship. And he also built a magnificent palace for himself as the centre of his rulership. And it was at this time then really that Jerusalem was at the height of its excellency. Since that time the city has been captured, it's been plundered and it's been destroyed on several occasions. And in between these times then there have been great attempts to restore the city to its former glory. But this has never really been achieved. But Jerusalem is no ordinary city because scripture informs us that the throne originally set up under King David is to be a permanent feature of this place and if you just go to uh, the second book of Samuel chapter 7 we've got a lot of references for us uh, to turn up this afternoon uh, Second Samuel chapter 7 and verse 12 where the Lord God uh, says uh, to David or tells David in verse 12 when thy days be fulfilled thou shalt sleep with thy fathers I will set up thy seed after thee which shall proceed out of thy bowels and I will establish his kingdom he shall build an house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever let's just move on to verse 16 we read there and thine house and my kingdom shall be established forever before thee thy throne shall be established forever 
Let's go to Psalm uh, 76 and verse 1. Judah is God known, his name is great in Israel. In Salem also is his tabernacle and his dwelling place in Zion. From this then we're also informed that this place is also referred to as Salem. We read of God's tabernacle in Salem. And Salem means complete, it means quiet, it means peace. The same root word uh, is used by the Jews as a greeting, shalom, meaning peace. And Salem is also referred to in Genesis chapter 14. Genesis 14, verse 8. Genesis 14, verse 8. And we read there, And there went out the king of Sodom, and the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Admar, and the king of Zeboim and the king of Bela. The same is Zoar, and they join battle with them in the valley of Sidim. Uh, sorry, I'm verse 18, I want, sorry. Uh, verse 18, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him, and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which shall deliver thine enemies into thine hand. And he gave him tithes of all. And in this account then, uh, Abraham pursued and defeated Chedorlaomer Chidol- that he might rescue his nephew Lot. And here it's the king of Salem, Melchizedek by name, who blessed Abraham. And Abraham also shared in bread and wine with the king Melchizedek. We're given further information about this uh, king Melchizedek in Hebrews, where we're told that he was not only a king, but also a priest. It's recorded for us in Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews 7 and verse 1. For this king, this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. And just going now to Matthew chapter 1, where we're given the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 6. Six, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Reboam, and Reboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa, and so on. And if we just move on then to uh, verse 15, 
and Elihud begat Eliezer, and Eliezer begat Matthan, and Matthan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So we see how here how the, the Lord Jesus is a true descendant then of the King David, who established his throne, or his throne was established in Jerusalem. And such by genealogy here it confirms that Jesus has a right to this throne promised to David. Um, the Lord Jesus in his comments uh, in Mark chapter 12 and verse 35 um, we read then Jesus answered and said while he taught in the temple how say the scribes that Christ is, da- is the son of David for David himself said by the Holy Spirit the Lord said to my Lord sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool David therefore himself calleth him Lord and whence he then is he then his son Just going over to Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. And when Jesus had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a clown received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. And just go back to Mark chapter 14. Sorry about all this jumping around, but it all links together. Mark chapter 14 um, and verse 22 is before the, the death of the Lord Jesus and as they did eat Jesus took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them that's his disciples and said take eat this is my body and he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them and they all drank of it and he said unto them this is my blood of the new testament which is shed for many verily I say unto you I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God So therefore, as proclaimed by the Lord Jesus himself, he is to return. He is to establish God's kingdom on earth. And only then will he drink of the fruit of the vine with his disciples, as we've just read. So the Lord Jesus returning to the earth and to establish his kingdom with Jerusalem as his throne. We'll consider the, uh, the means of the establishment of this kingdom by going to uh, the prophecy of Zechariah in chapter 14. There are many passages we could turn to, but Zechariah 14 um, will cover our subject this afternoon. Zechariah 14, verse 1, where we read, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city the day of the Lord as described in this chapter is without doubt futuristic isn't it this is the great day of God's wrath upon the nations of the world this is the day when Jerusalem will be elevated 
when centuries of evil works of men will be brought to an end. It is the day appointed when the world will know that Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, is the true God. He's the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will be Lord of all the earth. As we shall see from the context of this chapter, the day of Christ's return, as foretold in the scriptures, has now passed. And Jesus has already gathered his saints together, those who are his, both from the past and those who are his at his appearing. Jesus is now set up as the great king. He's about to establish his kingdom with Jerusalem uh, as its capital. This kingdom, though centred in Jerusalem, in the land of Israel, will have its dominion extended over the, over the, uh, over the whole earth. And perhaps when we consider this modern technological world in which we now live, then we must recognise that in reality the individual countries that make up our planet are no longer independent one from another, are they? All nations of the world depend upon each other in one form or another. And with the advent of air travel, for example, continents have been brought together. Nation leaders are brought together and they work together and they argue together as they consider international policies. And it will be the same when the Lord Jesus appears because we're told that all nations will be involved in this great day of judgment. Just go back to a few prophecies. Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3 and verse 1. For behold in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land so this political world then in which we live is changing so rapidly that to its leaders all, all seems to be out of control Polit politically it's rather like a runaway train with no brakes man can no longer comprehend and control the changes that are taking place there's no time to adjust their way of thinking there seems to be no time to take stock and to come to terms with the ever changing policies and boundaries but scripture informs us that this is all in the hands of the almighty to bring them to this great day just have a look at Zephaniah chapter 3 <laughs> Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 8 Therefore wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, even all my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. So Zechariah in our chapter 14 then doesn't indicate the source of these contending nations. But Ezekiel 38 directs our, our eyes to the uttermost parts of the north to a people who have no real desire to come down against Jerusalem but find themselves unable to resist. Just have a look at Ezekiel 38 and verse 1. 
Ezekiel 38 verse 1 and the word of the Lord came unto me saying son of man set thy face against Gog the land of Magog the chief, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal and prophesy against him and say thus saith the Lord God behold I am against thee O Gog the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal and I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws and I will bring thee forth and all thine army horses and horsemen all of them clothed with all sorts of armour in a great company with bucklers and shields all of them handling swords Persia, Ethiopia and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet Goma and all his bands, the house of Tagama of the north quarters and all his bands and many people with thee and the hooks are already in the jaws of these people we consider Russia today financially it's in great difficulty and the recent events over the taking of the Crimea, uh, their aggression towards the Ukraine, and the sanctions that are imposed upon them as a consequence are beginning to bite in their situation, making their situation even harder. And Russia's only real asset is its military might, and its constant focus appears to be on the increasing of its ordnance. This is a nation who are not accustomed to begging and it will not be bullied by its rivals. This is a nation that without doubt will one day use its power unreservedly and, and such a, mo a movement of military activity will surely involve all nations and bring them to battle. And from the scripture we can deduce, deduce that this is that king of the north that will sweep down like lightning and will reach even unto Egypt we're told. We shall not escape. We read that in Daniel 11, 40, verse 42. But we're told that due to tidings out of the east and the north, he will take, make his way up to Jerusalem uh, to besiege the city. And these tidings out of the east could well be the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at Sinai, and those of the north be the gathering of the western nations in Israel to cut off the communications of the Russian gold. It is this the return drive against Jerusalem that will bring together all nations outside the city for judgment. As in, is common in times of war, then the occupiers of any city in the path will experience plunder and carnage and rape. In this situation, people are often taken away from their homeland for slaughter or slavery. And that's the case that we read of back in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 2 where we read for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the houses rifled and the women ravished and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the rest of the Jew of the people shall not be cut off from the city so half of the city will be taken and the remainder it appears will be under siege from our reference in Ezekiel 38 it is apparent that it must be to the west side of the city which is taken for the invaders have flooded the land and geographically Jerusalem's weakest point is on that northwest of its city verse 3 of Zechariah 14 then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle and the day of battle that's referred to here is thought to allude to a time when Joshua came to take the land and subdue the, Can uh, the native Canaanites and quoting Joshua chapter 10 we read there the Lord discomfited them before Israel 
and slew them with a great slaughter at Gideon. The Lord cast down great hailstones from heaven. They were more that died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel consumed with the sword. The sun stood still in the midst of heaven. There was no day like it, before or after it. The Lord hearkened unto the voice of man, for the Lord fought for Israel. And in Zechariah 14, this is the day when they that remain in the city shall fall to their knees and plead to the God of their fathers for a deliverance. And what a deliverance, Zechariah 14 verse 4. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east, and the mountain of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, toward the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley. And half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half it toward the south. And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azar. Yea, you shall flee like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. Who then is this Lord standing on the Mount of Olives, which cleaves in two? This is the Almighty himself, manifested in his Son, the Lord Jesus, and the gathered saints. The Mount of Olives is on the east of Jerusalem and at present it rises about 200 feet above Mount Zion. And here we have the Lord Jesus with the clouds of saints standing on this mountain as it divides to form the valley passing between them. The valley could provide an escape route uh, for the captives in Jerusalem that they might flee the city towards the Jordan Valley as did David when he fled from Absalom and from the city. But we notice in verse 5, for instance, that the word to there is in italics, which suggests that the phrase could actually mean, ye shall flee the valley of the mountains. And this would also explain the phrase at the end of the verse, like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Isaiah. The place Azel uh, cannot really be located, but apparently the name has the meaning of reserved, a reserved place. So either the people were to escape to the reserved place east of Jerusalem or the reference indicates that it is Jerusalem itself which is the reserved or separated place. Remember the words of Acts chapter 1 how that on the Mount of Olives the cloud received Jesus out of their sight. And it says that in like manner he will return to the very same place with the clouds of his saints. Zechariah 14 verse 5 and you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, you shall flee like as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord, my God, shall come, and all the saints with thee. Well, the effects of this display of power when the Mount of Olives is severed cannot really be calculated. But scripture also tells us of such great changes in the Holy Land that all the earth will be affected by it. There may be a result of this great earthquake, even a breakup of the polar ice caps, which will up, uh, uplift large quantities of ice. 
Revelation chapter 16 verse 21 uh, referring to the time of the pouring out of the, the seventh vial as it's recorded there says and there, sh- there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven every stone about the weight of a talent and men blasphemed God because of the hail and the talent is about 100 pounds 100 weight or 45 kilos uh, in new money Geologically, though, the structure of this area upon which Jerusalem sits is quite peculiar. The Jordan Rift is one of the most uh, one of the wonders of the world. The city of Jerusalem is surrounded by valleys on three sides, as we said early, earlier. And yet, the mountains are round about Jerusalem. It says in Psalm 125. But Jerusalem is to be exalted physically as well as politically. The rending of a mountain so near to Jerusalem would appear to involve Jerusalem in its destruction also. But geological exploration has revealed that the (coughs) presence of faults in the earth have been perfectly placed by divine purpose from the foundation of the world. Jerusalem is built on a horizontal platform of limestone surrounded by valleys except on the north. And due to the structure of the faults it is understood that a sliding action will occur such that a valley will be formed on the north of the city, thus separating it from the surrounding landscape, allowing the plateau upon which Jerusalem stands to be elevated in its entirety. Verse 10. All the land shall be turned as a plain from Geba to Rimmon, south of Jerusalem, and it shall be lifted up and inhabited in her, part, in her place, from Benjamin's gate unto the place of the first gate, unto the corner gate, and from the tower of Hananiel onto the king's winepress. If we just go back to verse 6, it says, Then it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark, but it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. And this is the day of Israel's deliverance and the setting up of the throne of David as has been promised to him. As the wrath of the Almighty is poured out upon the hosts gathered against the city, a dullness will loom over the earth. The sun and the moon will withhold their light. But then the divine glory will shine forth in the evening of the millennial day. The evening being the start of the first day when they shall uh, commence a, a recreation and there shall once more be light in the earth. But not the light of the sun, but as it was in the beginning rather the light of the glory of the creator displayed in his son and his saints if we just go to Revelation chapter 21 we also read of this this time (coughs) Revelation 21 verse 1 John says there I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And if you just go to chapter 22 and verse 3 there, And there was no more curse, but but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him and they shall see his face and his name shall be in their foreheads 
and there shall be no night there and they need no candle neither light of the sun for the Lord God giveth them light and they shall reign for ever and ever back in Zechariah 14 then verse 8 we read there and it shall be in that be in that day that living waters shall go out from Jerusalem half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea in summer and in winter and shall it be there's much that could be said about these living waters but we can confine our comments to a minimum many have investigated the geological structure of the city and come to the conclusion that there exists vast quantities of water in underground springs and systems as we already mentioned there will be an immense change to the landscape uh, in this region and the source of this living water must be part of that divine purpose uh, we note however in uh, Ezekiel's vision as caught, recorded in chapter 47 of these waters springing forth from the temple they eventually become a great river of swimming death and here they're only mentioned as flowing eastward whereas in Zechariah 14 we've just read there they will flow to the former sea that's the Dead Sea and the Hinder Sea the Mediterranean but we must also remember that there will be different levels of the plain of Jordan and the western coast has been suggested uh, that the waters will initially flow towards the east and then loop round north into the Mediterranean with the Jordan Valley now becoming a great inland lake of fresh and living water and not the Dead Sea as we see it now. This living water will flow continually summer and winter we're told and it's both spiritual and it's literal flowing from its source in Jerusalem to the seas of nations bringing about the cleansing that is required that's as required throughout the whole globe to the end that all will bring glory to the Father and his name shall be one we read in verse 9 so here we see the fulfilment then of the divine purpose because the multiplicity of idols which have reared their evil heads down the ages will be destroyed and brought to an end never brought to mind and a knowledge of the glorious name as revealed to Moses at the bush I will be who I will be the name of the Lord God will radiate in the four corners of the earth pray for the peace of Jerusalem says the psalmist verse 11 and men shall dwell in it and there shall be no more utter destruction but Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited perhaps we just turn our thoughts for a moment upon those who set themselves in array against Jerusalem the prophet writes there in verse 12 and this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all people that have fought against Jerusalem their flesh shall be consumed away while they stand upon their feet and their eyes shall consume away in their holes and their tongues shall consume away in their mouth and it shall come to pass in that day that a great multitude from sorry a great tumult from the Lord shall be among them and they shall lay hold every one on the hand of his neighbour and on the hand on his hand shall rise sorry and his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbour and Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together gold and silver and apparel in great abundance and so shall be the plague of the horse 
of the mule, of the camel, and of the ass, and of all the beasts that shall be in these tents as this plain. Such will be the confusion of that day when Christ and his saints will enter the holy city and they shall lay hold everyone upon the hand of his neighbour. In this our thoughts are taken back to another battle at the time of Gideon. Just have a look at Judges chapter 7. <coughs> Judges chapter 7 and verse uh, 19. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch and they had put had but newly set the watch and they blew the trumpets and break the pictures that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and break the pictures and held their lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they took every man in his place round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the hosts. Such was the confusion then, when the pitchers were broken and the cry went out. And when we think upon this, how much greater in the day when the captives of Jerusalem shall escape out of the city during that upheaval of the land and the nations against the city suddenly find themselves confronted by the power of the almighty himself and man down the ages has been intent on his pursuit of power intent on devising more evil weapons of war so the picture we're given here in Zechariah is not really unlike that which will result from the release of arms of the present day Flesh consumed away while they stand on their feet. Eyes consumed away in their sockets. And tongues consumed away in their mouth. Man has devised more evil swords than those of Gideon's day. And these are the swords which will, which will set one against another. And even the remnants of Judah, we're told, will join in the conflict to attack the enemy in the possession of the city. Yet at the evening of this terrible day there will be light verse 16 and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king the lord of hosts and to keep the feast of tabernacles verses 17 to 19 remind us that there is a further punishment for those nations who refuse to keep this feast for Christ will gather in his harvest and man will not be allowed to remain in Shiloh from the realm of the Almighty. And Zechariah 14 concludes by drawing our attention to the total dedication of all things unto the Lord with every vessel throughout the whole of the land proclaiming holiness unto the Lord. Zechariah 14 verse 20 In that day there shall be upon the bells of the horses holiness unto the Lord and the pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yea, every pot in Jerusalem and in Judah shall be holiness unto the Lord of hosts. And all they that sacrifice shall come and take of them and seed therein 
and in that day there shall be no more Canaanite in the house of the Lord of hosts there will be no more Canaanite in the land the Canaanite is the merchant the trader seeking after wealth this God of our present world will be a thing of the past wealth will be a thing of the past to the end that the Lord God will be all and in all so I hope that we've seen from our consideration this afternoon that Jerusalem really is no ordinary city this city which has been in existence longer than almost every other city in the world is a city which has been set apart from the beginning for the purpose of becoming the city of the great king and yes these events might, events might be futuristic but they are certain and how futuristic that they are is unknown the signs around us in the world and particularly the rapid changes that we see in the Middle East in our day indicate that what we have been considering this afternoon is imminent the gathering of the saints to prepare them for their march into that city and it could even be tonight what we do know is that when judgment upon the world is sent forth then the only place of guaranteed safety will be in that city with the great king. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Christadelphians.org.uk